Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Father, we thank you for your grace and your love. We thank you for your word towards us. We thank you for the confidence we have in you. Father, we say let your name be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. As we go into your word, Lord, we pray that you will guide us yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, faithful Father. In Jesus' most wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's have our sin. God bless us all in the name of Jesus Christ. We've been having conversations, so I just a quick one that we will probably not that we'll probably would we'll have two two parts of our prayers today. So one will be done in here and the other one will be done outside. Um, outside in there. Um, the the word is would guide us around and um, it shouldn't take too much time. And basically the reason why we're doing it outside is because God has asked that we would um, we would pour water on people's head and things like that and it's rough. So we'll probably have it outside if that makes sense. And we'll pray over ourselves also as we do. So God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things that, you know, um, especially when we well, you know, like the blessings that God has brought our way also as individuals, even last week when we had the opportunity to have um, to have uh, the man we had in our midst, and I just also felt probably from you know, and also as God would guide, is also to to kind of um, use that as a background as we talk about what we what we are talking about, and you know, one thing that. I have learned also, and the little that I have known, even as I, I grow up in ministry and in God's word, is that as a servant of God and as a preacher, one of the things you gauge also at times of which God could give you gift for is to, is to see the questions that people have in their mind, even though they are not asking it yet. So, there are times when, as God enables, and this is the only the enablement of God, and it is for, especially for people that God has called as lead pastors in the place, because he has placed the lives of people in their hands. There are at times when somebody can be talking to me, and, you know, I'll give you an example of Peter. When Jesus was talking to Peter, that Peter, you would, you would, um, you would, um, you would betray me, Peter was arguing. You know, and Jesus said, don't worry, I pray for you. So there are times whereby, you know, whereby, you know, I might approach somebody and talk to you about something, or something that I've observed, and you may, you may not even, you may not be aware. You may not even see it in 10 years' time. And it's not prophecy. It's just that, you know, God gives you grace to be able to spot certain things that are seeds already in people that people are not yet, yet aware of. 
Sometimes you might be talking to somebody now, you know, at, at, you know about the case that I said, I talked to somebody and the person has decided to, to begin to um, give their efforts to disprove what I've said. And you know, I, me, I don't care about that of things. And things like that. Waiting for it to happen in six years' time or whatever it is for them to fall into that, into that very trap. You get what I'm trying to say? And of course, one of the challenges for someone that has that, or God has enabled in that way, is that you would always be, what you are talking about, people will never see it. Because it will take them time to say. I think I take them 10, 10 years, and I think them, you know, like I said, you are, and that's what Jesus was talking to Peter. You know, Peter in his mind was convinced. And you know, and, and for, for me, I, I, you know, for me to also learn that the person that is arguing or, or giving a kickback about what I'm saying, they are genuinely convinced. They are not, they are not trying to, but they are genuinely convinced that they are right on this particular issue. You get what I'm saying? So you begin to, you, and, and at times, you know, as you go, you go to school, at times it's just little seeds that they don't, they are not aware of, that is within their compartment, and you know, ah, this thing is going to be issued in the next 15 years time. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, so at times, you know, at times when you are, when you are sharing the word, you know, I used to say to someone, I said, you know, Jesus, Jesus practiced this. The Bible will say that Jesus will be preaching and Jesus will be, will be answering the questions in their mind. So people are not asking the questions, but it's answering the questions. Because, and, and that's one thing that you, especially for those that God has given the grace to preach, is that you need to also rely on God to be able to provide answers to our kinds of questions that people will not walk up to you to ask. So God, God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't give that in that way. There's a very weird pastor that give that in that way. Say, no, stop it. That's a pastor that I know. When people start to hug you within their mind, you say, please, can you stop hugging and raise up your hand and say what you want, what you want to say. I thought when people go, uh, he said, he said, this is what you're asking. You know, and you're disturbing me. And I'm hearing you as you are as you are complaining about what I'm saying. If you, if you don't agree, let me know. And you'll be surprised that the person that I'm talking to probably be at the far end. But because they are gifted in such a way that, you know, as Christ has given that gift, when he's teaching, is that he's hearing, he's not only hearing, he's hearing what people are saying within their mind. And at times, you know, if you are not conscious of it, it becomes distracting. That's why you see some person who say, please, can you not distract me? And people go in, but it's quiet, but because of people's interference about what he's saying, because he's trying to respond to a question and trying to read, read the script at the same time. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, you know, um, but, but, you know, this is not to say that we did not hear last week, but I'll just, as we go through and as we talk about inheritance, I would, I would hopefully, you know, by the, by the grace that God has given us to be able to guide us into certain things. Now, one of the things is that in scriptures, the Bible has always taught, and I'm just sharing this with you so that you would, you would, you would come, you would also understand the body of a preacher. Is that he is aware that everybody that is listening to him will not will, will not always come to the truth at the same time. So the Bible says in Second Timothy chapter chapter three verse seven, the Bible says that the Bible says that always learning, but will never come to the knowledge of the truth. So learning is an avenue to to come to the knowledge of truth. But it is not everybody that learns that comes to knowledge of truth. At times, you know, 
I have told somebody at times, they, I, I saw they were reading, you know, um, they were reading certain books, Christian books, wonderful books, don't get me wrong, wonderful books. But I was saying to that person, I said, I said, to, I, told, I told that person, I said, can you stop reading these books? Well, ah, what do you mean? I'm learning. And I said, ah. So I told somebody, I said, don't worry. I said, the result of this book that this person is reading, you will see it in the future. And like I know I was talking to somebody a year ago, and the person was talking to me. I said, oh, Pastor, you, you, told, you told me that. I said, I said, see, it is not, the problem is not the book. The problem is who is reading it. That is why when Jesus is preaching, Jesus said, there are certain things I, should, I can tell you, but I want to tell you, but you cannot handle it now. Now, if you add, okay, let me give you an example. That's why when Paul will be teaching, Paul will say that there is the milk and there is the solid food. So, but the problem we have in our generation now is that everybody can Google and listen to anything. That is why it's important, it is dangerous that online can never replace the church. Because you would take things that you're supposed to take now and to affect you in the future. You know, it's as if you have a, a Christian that has just given their life to Christ. And the first thing that they are taught is how God, the, the, some of their getting is how, how God loves you so much that you will not suffer. That someone is not out of place. But the problem is that the time they are reading it, they are, they are, they are, you will never see anywhere, in, especially in the New Testament, show me one where Jesus invited people to him and said, don't worry, I'll make your life better. In the New Testament, Jesus, God never invites people based on, I'll make your life better. In fact, he will tell you that your, your life will be worse. Because, why does he say that? Because he knows that your life will be better. It's already a default. So he doesn't need to advertise what, is, what, what you would get anyway, because you would get it. But he will say to you that your things will be challenging. That's why when, you know, that's why when, when God met Paul, after the blind eyes, he told the apostle, he said, he said, I have told him all that he will suffer for me. He didn't say all that he will enjoy for my name. So, why? Because they are at the inception of coming. And so, when somebody now exposes themselves to certain things and they go and you know, you will know that it's going to be a disaster. Somebody who has not understood the principles of Christ and they are reading on books on developing spiritual gifts, it is already a disaster. But at times when, when you go, when Anyone that God gives grace, decided to be a teacher or whatever it is, you can identify what is solid from what is you not beating at a particular time. Not because you are, it is just, just like you are gifted to do music or gifted to do something, some people are also gifted to know, no, this is what you don't serve at this place at this time. That is why it's not everything that, you know, at least something may be happening outside that you want to, you want to address in the church. And God is saying, no, 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 that is not what we need now. So you know, um, you know. So you can, uh, you know. I've seen, I've seen a couple of people, genuine Christians, who are who love God, but they go so much on certain things. Like, ah, this is going to be a disaster. It's already a bomb waiting, waiting to go. And that is why what I'm trying to say is that. So as we begin to see that 
that you know the Bible says it is not it is not I try to people gain knowledge and it's always good. Please don't get me wrong. It's always good for you to gain knowledge. I read a lot of books also. You know what I'm saying? But at times there is ways by which you read. You know, I tell people that one of the things I try not to do is that I don't listen. There are certain pastors I listen to, not because I don't listen to so many pastors, don't get me wrong. There are certain pastors I listen to. And one of the things that I try to do is that I don't listen to them once in a while. I listen to them frequently. Why? Because when they preach, they are only preaching a segment of their of a particular topic. That is not their life. So they may preach to you about about healing or whatever the case may be at a particular time. But you would not you would, the way they might talk, they may be like they don't use medication. But they might also get to a time when you get a time to because but when you are when you have access to their materials at all times, you would see them on do, on both sides. So you get what I'm trying. You will have a more rounded view. But if you just pick up one sermon about that and you go and you just run with it, you discover that at times, you know, I'm telling you, thank God that we are not in Nigeria that Nepal goes in the middle of the of the sermon. <laughs> that is your lot. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, again, that is why at times it's important that as servants of God, you should ensure that when you are teaching, you do your best to put the full counsel of God on every single sermon. Because it's always a bother for me that people who watch me online, I don't want to say something that somebody would, would probably listen to it, that somebody distracts them and they don't finish listening to it, but they won't listen to a particular section of, of the sermon and they build their life on it. You get what I'm trying to say? God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. It's more challenging these days because in the days of Jesus, Jesus never did one hour sermon. Go and read scriptures. He never did one hour sermon. His sermon was based when he comes people to preach to them. That's what Jesus did. So that's why when he saw that the Bible said they were hungry and Jesus said, you know, because they were there for days. So when people go for, when Jesus goes to the beatitude, or the, it, it wasn't 10 minutes sermon, Jesus never did 10 minutes sermon. He will sit people down. Because the point was that people cannot just listen to half truth and run away. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. You have an example of Paul also. Paul preached somebody slept and died. <laughs> the in death is more different than people that they have. Paul rose them up back. Because, you know, uh, God grants us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So we have Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says that for, for you possess quality or in, for you practice quality in increasing measure, they will keep you from being, if ineffective, and unproductive in your knowledge. So that means that, in fact, somebody can gain knowledge and yet become unproductive in that, in that aspect of knowledge. In that aspect of knowledge. So God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. See, one of the things that also happens is that as we, when you hear a word, when you hear sermon or whatever the case may be, the devil would come immediately after it. Especially when he sets you down in the world. The devil will come immediately after it. One of the greatest challenges is that Christians do not know how well they are equipped when they sit under the sermon. So if you are somebody who is carrying a gun and doesn't know that because he's carrying a gun, he becomes an open target. And you would see this when Jesus was, was talking, when he was talking about the, the soul and the seed. 
Let's go to an Acts chapter 4, please. He says, he says, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But the Bible says, but since they have no root, they last a short time. When trouble and persecution comes. So at times you would hear a sermon and the next week it would be as if the devil has just opened door to say, you know what? Why? Because the target is not, the target is to make sure that seed, that word, does not germinate inside of you. So, so when, you know, it's, it's happened to me also, especially, and I told you, when you preach a sermon, I think so that you are guaranteed that week, you'll be tested on it. You'll be tested on it. Talk about how to handle hunger. And things like that. By the time you get home, you'll be the first test case that the devil will use. Because one of the things the devil tries to do is to target. Whenever somebody receives a word, receives something, you will get you will be targeted. And the answer is not, well, maybe I should I don't need the word anymore. That's where the devil wants you to be. That's where the devil wants you to be. I want you and me to be. So, you will begin to see that the approach of the apostles is that is, is to call, they deliberately take it in prayers before they come to preach. They deliberately take time to ask that the hand, though people may be sitting down to listen to them, that God would open their hearts. Because they know people can be listening. In fact, he said they received it with joy. They were so excited. But it did not happen. There was nothing at all. So you would see that the Bible will talk about um, Acts chapter 16, where the Bible talks about a woman. The Bible says one of, one of those listening was a woman from Lystra named Bia, a dealer in purple. The Bible says she was a worshiper of God. That means she's a devoted Christian. But the Bible later says the Lord opened her heart to respond. That means there's a difference in hearing and the ability to respond. There's a difference. In, that is why you can always hear somebody who says, oh, you know, I love that sound. What did you do after I was nothing? Because the ability to respond that is why as you go out, as you share the gospel with people, even with your kids, it's important that you, you understand that there is a difference in people hearing and God giving the ability to respond. So when a preacher, before a preacher goes out, his concern in bringing that he brings to the altar of prayer is God. It's not that they will listen to me alone, but give them the enablement to be able to respond. Give them the enablement to be able to respond. You know, even, even Jesus in his day, Jesus has been teaching people the scriptures. Let's go to Luke. Jesus has been teaching people scriptures all the day. But the Bible says he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. It wasn't that they were not listening, but they could not understand what he was talking about. And that is why you can see so many people go to church and come up with different 
different interpretation of what, what, what was said. Because there is, there is a different, um, there is, it's important that as servants of God, as preachers, even as, I'm sharing this also with you, that you understand that, you know, when there are different things going on when the sermon is going on, there's a difference in people listening, and there's a difference in their ability to respond to it. And those two things are dealt with first on the altar of prayer. That is why, you know, you, 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 your, your, you would, you know, it is a desire of a teacher is not to go to class and teach, but to get responses. That is where you are graded on how well are the children responding? How well have you been able to improve them? I can, I can remember one day, um, you know, I, I, was, I was part of a Bible teacher's group, and, and they were doing Bible teacher's meetings, and they were talking about this, and everybody was talking about, oh, and I said, can I ask a question? I said, what is your expectation from this teaching suit? So I, no, we want to teach. I said, no, that's all I have. I said, what is your expectation? When you go to school, a teacher, when a teacher is, 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 um, is preparing their notes, there is something that they call outcomes. So there has to be an expected outcome. Because if you don't see the expected outcome, there is no way you can trace it back to what happened. Or else you just be talking. I shared with you once that you know I had I had somebody in my in my in, um, uh, at my fellowship then in Sokoto that the first that I was leaving. And um, I was I was in Basanawa, which was the which was the far end of Sokoto at the very border of Nigeria. So, you know, I, I will teach during the week. I'll teach, I think I taught on Wednesdays, I taught on Sundays, and things like that. And, you know, people were coming and things like that. And there was this, you know, this guy who, who told me that, you know, I have spoken to my friends in Sokoto town, which is about, it was about two hours drive or whatever it is, about, about, about two hours drive, he said, I've told them, and they are coming all the way to come and listen to you. And to him, his expectation was that I will be happy that people are traveling two hours to come and hear me preach. But heaven is my witness. As soon as he finished talking to me, I was in tears. Because this guy had engaged done traditional marriage with a woman in Lagos. There's another girl that done that's already married or maybe whatever it is in Ibadan. They were living in the same room. They gave them rooms so they relocated into the same room in Sokoto. And they were coming to church to come and listen to some. So my point was if you are still not getting it, if I cannot get outcomes from you, what are you calling others to come and do? And my mind has always been the expectation is the outcome, not how well you have spoken. Because if you have spoken well and the outcome is invisible, you have done nothing. Does that make sense? So God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm saying all of that as we come closer to this, is that 
is that, is that, you know, when we ask about light, especially when we hear the scripture talks about, you know, the uh, Bible says that light will cast out darkness, you know, and we pray that light will cast out darkness. And there is, there is an element of that, in fact, a big element of that that is, that, that is, that is scriptural, that you will call Imoledeo Okoparada, I think so, yeah. but actually that light that the scripture is talking about is that until that light is transformed into a life, it cannot cast out demons. The, let's go to John, please. So John, the Bible says that in him was life, and that life was the light of all men. So that means that until light, you know, said that light, that light, which is as a result of life, shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So, until the light of God becomes life inside of me, it cannot influence darkness in any environment. Because at times, truthfully so, some of us call on God and say, oh, let the light shine. And God is saying, the light has to become life inside of you. For it to be able to overcome darkness. And when we see light in scriptures, light is always gauged also in line with the word of God. So basically what the Bible is saying, until that word becomes life inside of you, then it will be able to deal with darkness. So it is not only calling on light to come, that's why when Jesus was going to say to us, Jesus made a statement, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Basically, that until that light transforms to a point where you carry that light and that light becomes life in you, darkness will always contend. Darkness will always contend. And that brings me to, you know, to the issue around inheritance and Christians. Because part of our inheritance that there is a particular life, impact of life that you and I should have. But the problem is that God needs to, needs to we, we all need that process of that light becoming life. Until that light becomes life, it will be different, it will still be theoretical. Until that life becomes light, there will always be a challenge. So as we look at, you know, as we look at the question around inheritance, one thing when the Bible talks about inheritance among the saints, there are a couple of things to take to the Bible has taken as a um, as a default in that statement. One, you cannot have, inheritance does not go to workers. I never seen somebody who will give inheritance to workers, no. Inheritance are only for children. 
So, when the Bible talks about inheritance, he has already taken the default system that the people he's talking to have already given their life to Christ. So, when you do service and you say, come and receive your inheritance, God is saying, no, it is not. They don't distribute inheritance outside. You can do giveaway on the planet. You don't do inheritance on the planet. Have you ever seen people who, who do, all these activities that when they do giveaway online? Are you people join? You don't need to know. But when it comes to inheritance, you have to be part of the family to be able to inherit anything. So when the Bible talks about inheritance, the first expectation is that that person already has a default system to say that, no, I am a child of God. Let's go to first um, Peter. The Bible says that the blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by great mercy has given as he has given us new births. Please note that new births, a living hope true resurrection in Christ, in Jesus Christ from the dead. Into an inheritance. So that means that. But new part is what qualifies you for an inheritance. So you cannot do a crusade and say, "Come and receive the inheritance." No, it doesn't. It is biblically wrong. Inheritance is not for anybody except their first children. And one thing the Bible also points here: the Bible says unfaithing reserved. And now I like the part reserved. That also means that inheritance is always reserved. No matter how, if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if somebody's grandfather has written a will as this shoe belongs to Bio, that is his, his inheritance. If Bio does not call to come and collect that shoe in 50 years, that shoe is still there. So when you are talking about inheritance, inheritance is reserved. So that means that I cannot take your inheritance in God, you cannot take mine. Does that make sense? Because inheritance is reserved. I'm just trying to point out a couple of things that the Bible seems just to take as a default system when it's talking about inheritance. Jesus began to, there was a woman that came to Christ whose child had an evil spirit. And Jesus was saying that, you know, the children have false priority when it comes to God distributing his inheritance. Let's go to the next slide. This one. The Bible says a Greek woman who was a student was uh, from verse 27 and went and said, Jesus responded and said, Let the children first have their fear. And he, he said, For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. When Jesus means dog, what is he talking about? Where does, you know, I don't know where he came, but. 
in those days, it's at the days of Jesus, dogs live outside. Children live inside. So, what Jesus was saying is that inheritance is false. The false priority of God is that his children have access to inheritance. Not that it may not give others, but the way God works at the first line is his children, then any other person can go on or whatever it's supposed to do. Now, I you now discover that the Bible Quran says that it says that yes, Lord, she replied, even the dogs hit from the crop. And after this situation, what happened was that that woman's child got healed. The question is this. If crumbs can cast out demons, how much more would the main meal be for the children? But the picture Jesus painted is as if inheritance is available for his children, but they will not come. So you would have outsiders coming and taking the crumbs, yet the children are outside complaining that they have not eaten. But one of the things as we come closer and we bring this to the point of prayer is that before a child comes to inheritance, the Bible will talk about the fact that a child can have inheritance. But if the child is still a baby, they cannot inherit what God has for them. You have um, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Verses uh, 1 to 3. The Bible says, For what am I saying? As long as the hair is a child, as long as the hair is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns everything. So God is saying, no, as long as the hair is a child, he is no different from a slave. Who, what, how do you define a slave? A slave is somebody who is forced to do something against their will. And only because that they would have opportunity to hit, that is why they would give up something to be able to take something out. Do you get what I'm trying to say? A child will do something irrespective of if they get something out of it or they don't. I didn't say no, the the child has inheritance. But the problem is that as long as that child continues to behave like a slave, inheritance will never be given. Inheritance will never be given. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. I'll give us an example as we as we come closer. To, um, uh, to a point that you can see more about what I'm doing, what I'm saying. Now, one of the issues as we pack a bit further 
from um, what we what we learned last week. One of the things I have observed through scriptures is that God can, in fact, you might be feeling, you might have the opportunity of what God wants to use you for in your life now, or you might be having semblance of it. But the problem is that God cannot use you in that format. So he needs to deal with that person to be able to be able to use them properly. I'll give an example from the man that came last week. He was talking about the fact that they had influence, they had money. What he's still doing now is influence and wealth for him to be able to connect the prime ministers, the you know, to have seats with the queen and all those kind of stuff. But God, the problem God had was not his money or the influence. The problem God had was that this man, I cannot use him in the dimension that he is now. See, if that man were to not have gone through the path that he has gone through, can guarantee you one thing, he will never come in last week. Last week. For my little experience, he will not come in. I was talking to somebody that said, some churches are in debt now, sadly, because of the preachers that they've called. The problem is that most people in church do not understand most of these things. Ah, why did not bring in preachers so, 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 and so? Go to their online. Some of them, if you can't fly them in first class, if you're, they will tell you to put the numbers of the church members. That determines if they're coming or not. And, you know, some of them will tell you they cannot sit in an hotel as well as I'm telling you the truth. But you listen to some, which is not, that's what they want to do. But you listen to them, go, oh, why can they not bring this person? You don't know that. <laughs> it is, so, and you had him preach last week saying that, you know, he's, he was speaking recently to thousands of youths and things like that. He would not come to a place where he has only a couple of people. But God had to break in well to the point that so that when I am going to use you, you can be useful for me. But if God doesn't go through that part, it may be difficult. But the problem is, is that it's not that people think that God is so interested in you, you know, because of the money you have. He's not interested. He has there is no money that anybody can have that has scheduled. The problem is that he wants to mold that person in such a way that they can now be useful for him. So there will be certain things that God himself, so also we, are, we, are, we, are, we are saying, God, oh, the devil is chasing me. No, he is the one actually confronting me. Because there are certain things he needs to knock off. Because if he doesn't knock them off, you will not be able to, be, you would, you would, you would not be able to depend on so you saw a man that had wealth, 
that was being shuffled, his family was being shuffled around London, came to the point where he was selling flour for one pound to be able to eat. And after many years in that level, God now brought him back to a path that without the influence of his past, he's sitting with kings and prime ministers to speak to them. Why did God just take it from here to go? No, because there was a, a, a part of him that God said, I mean, this, this, would, this, would, this would become a disaster for us. And you will see it's Moses. Why can't God just take Moses? He's been trained as a leader in Egypt. Why can't God just take Moses and say, Moses, go and leave the people of Israel? No, he had to because the problem is that some of us are coming to a path that God has called us to. So you are, you, that is the area you have your gifting. You are, you are so, but God is saying, no, 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 no. The problem is not the gift or the offices I've given you or the, the wisdom I've given you. I need to break that down so that you can now be useful for me or else you would not. Does that make sense? And, and that's one of the things that, the, you know, that's one of the paths that God, look, you, I can go, you can go on and on in scriptures. God doesn't need to know, it's, it's easy to take just a finished product, but the problem is that some of us, maybe, maybe God has called you into the, into the business world. And you're already getting influence. But God is saying, mm, the problem is that, ah, I can't use this one this way. They have come ahead of their time, so I need to bring them to a point where I will break them down until I have seen that certain is okay. Then I will bring them back, and they will be far higher than where they started. See, God can bring somebody down from up to nothing, and within a second, He can make it because He He He, he orchestrated it, or let's put it that way, He permitted it. Does that make sense to you? And like I said earlier, is that when God, whatever, at times when God wants to use you for certain things, you know, especially in that part, you would, the devil would come and challenge those things. So like for example, I'll use myself as, as an example. I thank God for the grace that God has given me to be able to preach. But for a very long time of my life, I was a strong stammer. I couldn't speak a sentence without things going on. I know um, an uncle who who's a preacher who for the first five ten years of his life he didn't speak. So for some of us also, the part that God has called you, you would always get that because the problem is that it is it is just what I'm just trying to point out to us is is that I hope we saw last week that there was a process of God breaking him down to a point where it can be useful. He came last week. Last week was the first time I ever saw him or heard from him. He came last week. He was going back and forth because he didn't know where we were here or not. He came close because the church was silent or whatever. Was happening, so they couldn't hear anything. But they went back and forth, back and forth. An average person at that level, once they come once, they, do, they go. I'm just telling you that you know, for me, you know, somebody that somebody who's not really, you know, who's not really, you know, 
He's also developing African houses and things like that. So I had about somebody said, ah, why don't you call this person? This person is King Kokiri. I said, okay, call him. And he said, ah, you know, um, before I, this is the, my child, this is my, I said, ah. <laughs> they can give you an offering to say, thank you for coming. You don't send B before you come. So at times, I don't like to, you know, I, I was talking to someone some uh, weeks ago. I said the problem is that people complain that pastors are, are going after money. But the problem is that it is like a vicious circle. Because the church members want certain people to come and preach. But they don't know that those people that they are coming, <laughs> so the pastor has to pay for them. So you are complaining that the pastor is, is charging so much money. The pastor is saying, ah, you know, these people, they don't come for free. People are talking about, I do believe that, you know, if people think that's a full-time job, especially when they're serving a church in music or whatever, but most of the issues that people are talking about, musicians charging so much money in church because they can see pastors also charging so much money. But I know, we are all ministers. <laughs> so, you know, we are all ministers and things like that. But I'm just saying to you, at time, I'm just trying to say to you that, you know, there are so many things that you do not know at times. You know, and it's not your business to know. But what I'm trying to say is that you, you, you get all, all these ridiculous charges. You know what I'm saying? You get all, all these ridiculous charges and things. And some people say, you know what? You know, we'll, we'll come back to you until when your church goes to this level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we cannot be wasting our time. Because again, they look at it from a finance point of view or whatever. It's an economic productivity. You know, so you have to be able to fill a particular hall before we come. You know, I'm trying to say, you know, and I had, I had, you know, I felt bad and talked from, I had a pastor that I looked up to, but I also understand how these things work. You know, he's been trying to get, um, I think I can mention him, because I don't think she's at fault anyway, but, you know, uh, Joyce Meyer. He's been trying to get Joyce Meyer, for, and this pastor is a very good pastor in the UK, and he's trying to get Joyce Meyer to come all the time. And Joyce Meyer, and this is what he said, he preached it. So I'm not talking about what you can get in, in talk about. He, he preached, he said, you know, he's trying to get those men all these things. He's trying for years. They were, they were giving them uh, um, conditions or whatever. It's because those men has a large, a large, um, uh, you know, itinerary is so packed. If you want to invite those men at times, you have to invite about three, four years ahead of time. So some of them, you don't, they don't come, you don't just call them and they turn up. I think so. That. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, she was, he was, um, he was doing everything and things that they were holding these big events and things that she didn't come. And one day he went to a place, he met a guy, I don't think the person was there, but it was a Christian gathering and there were some quite influential people there. And he just told that person, I've been trying to get Josmaya for so many years, but she hasn't she, she hasn't turned up. You know, it's very difficult to get her. And the person said, Oh, you want to get Josmaya? I said, no problem. He said, what what is your program about? This and this and that. What did he do? The guy just picked up his phone and called Josmaya. Exactly. And he said, Oh, Joyce, I have a friend here who wants to invite you to your church. And things like Josmaya said, okay, let me check my calendar. And he said, and Josmaya fixed it. Then he made up his mind to not work with small, small pastors in He said, No, he said, he said, he said, he said, because he's now discovered that you know, if he didn't have that connection, he would never so why would he waste his time with <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. So, you know, and he made that conscious and he preached it. He said, you know what, he was talking about changing your circle to be able to make 
higher connections and things like that. You get what I'm trying to say? So what I'm trying to say at times that for me, and by the time I got home last week, he had called. He called me, he texted me. He said, I want to just say thank you for having me because can we talk? And things like that. And we spoke afterwards. But I too learned from it. I mean, I too learned from it. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had somebody who's, who's asked me, as a pastor, who said to me that, you know, if, if your church members cannot pay your salary or cannot match your salary, when you have an offering or whatever, it is, then close down the church. But they, they, they are obviously all of no use. That's exactly what he said. Exactly. Because the very single person in the ministry, so I said, thank you, sir. God bless you. I don't have anything against what he said. Maybe that's how God has shown me. It's not, it's, it's not a problem. You know, the way that I am going is totally different. You get what I'm saying? But I'm not saying that those things are out there. But for you to see that man have so much influence and still come to local churches, there are smaller churches, then it takes, it takes a man that God has dealt with. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we come to a place of walking into your inheritance, one of the things that the Bible says, the Bible talks about one, let's even look at Colossians chapter 1, um, Colossians chapter 1, 10 to 14. The Bible says, being strengthened with all power according. No, sorry. Um, so just go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. The Bible says, For everyone who lives on milk is still infant. He said, like infant and inexperienced in the message of righteousness. So, how the Bible measures growth. Is not that you can preach 10 sermons a day. How the Bible measures growth is that you, your, your understanding and your application of living a righteous life is already on an increase. That's why the Bible says, but solid food belongs to the mature who by constant use trained and trained their senses to distinguish between good and evil. So that means that as a Christian, the word of God, you are, you are using the word of God to train yourself. Basically, you are making your decision. You are making, you are making the sort of what to do, where to go, who to speak to, by the training you get from scriptures. And please note the word, train their senses. So that means that this is not God come and training me. It is you that you have to keep on trying to put yourself in the line of scripture. Someone will say that, you know, oh God, um, um, spirit of Ojikoko, um, take it away, all these kind of prayers. <laughs> he has no basis in scripture. It is good to pray there. What the Bible does is that as you are training yourself, the Holy Spirit comes to enable you in that journey. So as you commit yourself to training yourself, training yourself, and please know that when you are training yourself, your muscle will be sore. It will be difficult. You will see times when God, when you have trained yourself about, about setting a guard over your mouth. And people are talking and you are so excited that you want to talk. Or you, but you keep saying, no, today I will make sure that I don't, I don't just speak anyhow. I am setting a guard over myself. By the time you discover that as you continue in that path, 
you become, you gain mass, you gain mastery of what you are supposed to do. Just like somebody else who wants to do training, training themselves about something. The first form couple of months will be tough. If you have not done gym for a long time, and now want to turn up in gym, and you want to carry weight, <laughs> you can even successfully carry it. But you know that by the time you get home, for the rest of the week, it is challenge. So God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And as I just come to this point, and I will leave us with this, is a story in scriptures of, 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 of Saul. Saul was already designed by God. God has said this guy will be king. But what was happening was that Saul was um, okay, let's take the story this way. Saul had a donkey that was lost. So all Saul was doing was chasing the donkey. And God and he got to Samuel and Samuel said, you know what? Stop chasing donkey. There is something that is already set apart for you. Let's go to first Samuel. Chapter 9, verse 22, 24. The Bible says, then Saul took so then Samuel, Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into, into the hall and seated them in the place of honor among those who were invited, about 30 in all. Saul said to the cook, Go and bring me the portion I gave to you to set aside. So that means that your inheritance in God is already set aside. But he said, so the cook picked up the leg, he picked up the leg and what was attached to it, and he set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here is what was kept back. It is set apart for you. Heat, for it has been kept for you for this occasion. From the, from, from the time I said I have invited the people. Now, even though God has, even though Samuel had set something for, for, for Saul, Saul was busy chasing donkeys everywhere. Let me bring it close to you or to us. Until you stop chasing certain things, you will never be able to sit into your inheritance. Some of us, what you are chasing is career, what you are chasing is wealth, what you are chasing is different kind of things. Some of us in ministry, what you are chasing is, is, is influence of ministry. And until you stop chasing and you come and you will never be able to step into an inheritance that God has given you. Because you will always want to chase them. Samuel was, Samuel was saying to Samuel, no, sir, there are, no, I need to get donkey. That donkey I need to find. Samuel said, forget about the donkey. Sit down. For some of us, it is just for us to sit down. 
and stop running around. I will tell you for you to you know, make, let's put this so that you don't think that it's only there are some people in ministry you can be running around and yet not settle down into what God has called you. There can be see the nature that I have learned also, it is not how many programs you do. At times, it's not even how many new sermons you do. There's a difference in going through activity versus settling down into the purpose of God. I would bring up one last, one last thing as we bring ourselves to the point of prayer. That man was saying, when a season in his life when he was serving in a church, that's all he was doing. Have you noticed that when he was talking, he wasn't saying that he was doing a couple of things together. When he was selling whatever it is, was a uh, flower. He said to down there. At times, one of the challenges we have is that because you have seen ahead where God is leading you to, there is a challenge of you running ahead of him. But run, most of the time, God is not never in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. You would think that after God had called, um, after Moses knew that God had called him, God would say, Moses, you go and start to deliver the people of Israel. God took Moses out to the wilderness for how many years? 40 solid years. What was happening to the people of Israel? They were killing them. Because people were dying on a daily basis, did not make God wrong. There's something I've learned. And I just want to leave you with that as we come to together to a place of prayer. Is that God is not interested in quantity. He's always interested in quality. How long was the ministry of John the Baptist? Everybody. The ministry of John the Baptist was for months. How many times did God prepare him? For 30 years, God prepared him for a ministry of months. Jesus, his ministry was three, three years, or some people say three and a half years. He was prepared for 30 years for a ministry of three and a half years. God is never in a hurry as people think he is. But the ministry of John the Baptist that last months. Is still speaking till today. God is not always here because everything is falling apart. God doesn't rush at into it. He is God. He doesn't panic. God is not panicking. Hey, Michael, hey, I don't see what has happened now. Hey, oh, what are we going to do? No, it doesn't happen now. Once you understand that about God. You understand that when he's telling you, he will bring you to the wood. But he is never in a rush. Look at it even in a normal ways. Have you ever seen the queen? Huh? You forget the part I hate. But you know, she doesn't rush anywhere. 
And when you understand that, you understand seasons in your life. That there are times where God might be taking you through. One thing is key, and that's what I saw in that man's journey. Patience. Patience. And may God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 24. The Bible says, Set out now and cross to Aaron, John, and see, I have given into your hand, seal, the hammer, and Hishman. He said, and his country. You would think that when God said this, what that means is that you just walk into the place and you just take it. But he now said, Begin to take possession of it and, on, and engage him in battle. Please, you think I don't need battle? Some people, people will not die. At times, when God says that I have given you an inheritance, there are certain things He expects you to also begin to take as an action to begin to walk into it. My prayer is that as we just do a reflection on certain things that I said that God will begin to amplify it also to you as you go on in the name of Jesus Christ. But I know there is always a talent in God. God will always, the Bible talks about contentment. But contentment also does not mean laziness. Contentment means that you are eager up to the level God is eager about an issue. You are not going before him. You are not struggling behind him. Does that make sense? God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us rise to Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.